I will speak to my barista or waiters or um, the person, anyone who's helping me, especially in service oriented positions. I always make sure that I speak with anyone that I'm interacting with. And so that sometimes will open up a door in terms of conversation. It's tricky now because I can imagine some of those conversations can be very uncomfortable given how people are perceiving the U.S. and all that kind of stuff. I have Mm -hmm. no desire to talk politics at all. That's part of the reason why I want to be abroad for the summer. I want to avoid most of the election season. Be clear about what your boundaries are uh, in terms of what you feel comfortable talking about and discussing. If I'm in, you know, freaking Portugal, I don't want to be talking about election season. I'm on vacation. Mm -hmm. I'm away. So that is not what I do. And that's why I enjoy my trips. Right. (laughs) I I have boundaries. So there you go. Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Michelle as the guest. Uh, Michelle and I are in the same Facebook group, and if you've listened to previous episodes, you know what the name of that Facebook group is. And um, a while back, I uh, put out there that I was looking for new guests, and Michelle is one of the people who emailed me. So Michelle, she runs a blog and a podcast called Michelle is Money Hungry, which is all about personal finance. And she also goes hard in repping for the state of Colorado, which you will hear. <laughs> she schooled me on quite a few things. And, uh, and she also has studied abroad. So um, on two separate occasions, she went to France to study French once for six months, another time for weeks and then later on she went to study Spanish in Argentina for three weeks Um, so we talked a bit about that and then we also spent a good amount of time just talking about Michelle's journey uh, being self-employed paying off debt and still traveling you know making traveling a possibility as opposed to putting her life on hold to pay debt you know how she strikes a balance between that and other really good tips for people who are interested in travel hacking and personal personal finance and the like um so there's a lot of good information in this episode that i hope is helpful to you and enjoyable to hear and without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend michelle jackson Okay, well, thank you for agreeing to be a guest on this podcast. I really appreciate it. And I really, uh, I'm glad that you were able to get some rest. I know you said you don't feel fully rested yet, but I'm glad you were able to take that time to recuperate, you know. (laughs) So uh, why don't we start with you introducing yourself, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Michelle Jackson. I am the creator of the blog and podcast, Michelle is Money Hungry. I also run a website and podcast called Square State, and it's about the state of Colorado. Um, I am considered a personal finance influencer. So I'm always very much interested in talking about um, different aspects of life as they relate to money. So 
part of the reason why I thought this show would be fun to go on is because I've traveled pretty extensively and in retrospect, pretty frugally without diminishing the quality of the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are some conversations that we need to have about why it's so important to go abroad. If you're on the fence, like uh, what to consider and, and more importantly, time and expense. So um, I thought it'd be fun to kind of have a talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now I have a question for you. Okay. Um, I know black people are everywhere. I don't, I haven't heard of that much about black people living in Colorado. So I'm just wondering. <laughs> Where are you from, from, by the way? I'm from Michigan. Okay, so this is, there's a reason why I run a website called Square State. I yeah. I am <clears throat> endlessly amused by this question. Um, I get it all the time. <laughs> it, it's hilarious. I've been to 45 states. I'm like, we're everywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> and when I, but to be in, in, in real talk and in all seriousness, mm-hmm. um, most people don't realize that we are everywhere. The richest, yeah. um, the richest black American is from Colorado. Mm. So, um, you know, the guy who paid off all those Morehouse students, uh, student loans, mm-hmm. he's from Denver. He went to my rival high school. So, wow. um, we're here. We've always been here for many, many years. We, we celebrate Juneteenth when all you guys were trying to figure it out because <laughs> because we're by Texas. You know what right, I mean? Okay. So uh, there very much is a black population. It's not huge, but mm-hmm. we are here. We've been here for, you know, as long as Colorado has been here. And um, it's part of why I do what I do and mm-hmm. why I share what I do is to show that there's more than one black experience. And right. it's not always New York City. And yeah. it's not always Atlanta and it's not always freaking, you know, Chicago, mm-hmm. um, even <laughs> though I have friends and family who live in all those places. Yeah. So um, likewise, there are black British people and they're mm-hmm. very different than black Americans. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. I, my bestie is British. So and she happens to be black. So I think it's important to have these kind of like, hey, you know, um, opportunities to expose uh, the fact that we live everywhere. And that's part of the reason why, honestly, it was a little tongue in cheek on the back end. Why I did square state um, to say, you know, Hey, I love living in Colorado. I love my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, actually girl, girl Trek or girls Trek. I can never remember if there's an S is mm-hmm. a, an organization that hosts a huge event for black women. It's called um, something like stress free week or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's in the mountains of Colorado. So you get all these black women going to the mountains of Colorado to say no to stress. So um, for those of you who are like, I'm not sure about Colorado, that is actually a great weekend because you would be with lots of black people um, and enjoying, you know what I mean? Like you can ease in. So yeah, enjoying the weather, enjoying the mountains and, and just enjoying community. Yeah. Well, thank you for breaking it down for me. Yeah, like we are here. <laughs> I was going to ask because, so you were born and raised in Colorado? I was raised in Colorado. My dad was military. So I was born oh, in okay. California, I was, but I was born in California. So it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, so my story is not like I was born in Atlanta and then we moved like born in California and he was the military. I've lived a, a few years in Japan as a little kid. That's where I started school. Um, and then moved a couple other states very briefly. And then we settled in Colorado. Nice. Okay. As you, you, as you mentioned in your email to me, you, um, you studied in 
in France a couple of times, and then you went to Argentina. So I was really looking forward to talking to you about that. But you did just mention you started school in Japan, right? Right. So, like, were you on base then? Was it an American school that was on base, or? Well, well, as my mom tells me, because again, I was little. So it, mm-hmm. it when you're little, everything's normal. Right. Um, but from what I understand, I went to school with the officers' children and other kids from. Uh, it was like a private school. Okay. So it was, I think, off base, but it was primarily like officers, excuse me, officers, officers, I can't get the word out because I'm tired. <laughs> officers, children, and um, maybe wealthy, wealthy Japanese in the, in the area. Okay. So she just scraped the money together because they were not, my dad was not making any kind of money. He was a military, but this was a priority for her. And so um, I, I remember going to school, but again, it was very much normal. So it's it, again, like what, what I said before, like it, it was my experience. So I don't know any different. Yeah. Um, I've gone back as an adult to Japan mm-hmm. and it's, it's weird because I must have some kind of like, uh, say muscle memory because it felt mm-hmm. so normal to me. And were you, was this like, um, what is it? Like in the, near the Tokyo area? No, Okinawa. Oh, okay. You're in Okinawa. Nice. Okay. Okay, cool. That's interesting. I mean, I know like military families, you can end up anywhere in the world, but oh, yeah. you know, that's, that's pretty cool that that's where you started school, you know, <laughs> where I started. And so my mom still has like books that she cannot read, but they're books for me that mm-hmm. she bought children's books, but they're in Japanese. Mm. You know, and I, as kids, you know, you pick up the language, but if your parents don't speak it, what can you do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, suffice it to say you can't really speak it now. Oh no! I, all so I long. can say is Ohio gozaimasu, and mm-hmm. you know um, I can sing some songs, and that's about it. So no, okay. no, no Japanese for me, sadly. All right. Okay, so I guess we can start with France. Right. So the first time you went was to Paris for six months, right? That's correct. So how did that come about? I just wanted to go. I mean, literally, I just, I was like, I know all these people who are going abroad. They were not necessarily black people, mm-hmm. um, maybe like one, but I just was like, I want to go abroad. I feel like I can go too. And so I um, loved French at the time. Like it was the thing I was really into. Like I, in high school, I was in the French club and I remember going to see Les Mis when, when the um, touring show came to Denver. It was like a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And so I was just really into it. And I started looking for, um, I started looking for programs and I was like, I don't have money. (laughs) And so I started working like 70 hours a week, practically. Uh, I want to say it was at Marshall's. I'm pretty sure it was Marshall's in Boulder, Colorado. And I just, all I would do was think about going to France. And actually that was my second trip. Uh, The first trip was shorter, but, but this one, um, I was just like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Like, that's all I could think about. Like, yeah. everything in my mind was attuned to that idea. And I found a program that was in its infancy, like its inaugural year. And this is something, a tip that I share with many people about many things. If you can get in on the first year with a program, with a coach, with a course, always do it. Because you're, prob- you're probably going to get a lot of value that's going to be 
like very expensive later as they refine the program coaching, what have, what have you. So I ended up in a program that was in its first year going to Paris. So in some ways it was janky, but in what (laughs) I need, no, really like, you know, it was not a refined, perfected program, but it was fine because it was inexpensive. And Mm -hmm. I still had the support. I still had a small group of people who were in the program with me. I still ended up studying at the Sorbonne, uh, Mm -hmm. studying French. Um, So I still had the experience that I wanted. And I ended up spending for everything. For six months, I spent $4,000 cash for everything. Travel, accommodation, food, fun. Wow. Studies. That won't happen again, I think, I think you could do it. You could hack it pretty cheap, but that now in in 2019, I'm not going to say quite when I went, but Mm -hmm. 2019, I think you could do it for about five to $6,000 if you're really like hacking, you know, and that's still, I think pretty inexpensive, you know, Um, but you just would have to be focused on your dollars and Mm -hmm. stretching them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I killed it. I, I, am amazed that I was able to do it for so little money. Yeah. Good on you. That's amazing. Wow. So this was after you graduated from college, you went to Paris for six months? Yes. Or, okay. Uh, it was several months after uh, okay. several years after. So like I did a shorter trip that I always forget about. And it was like my, my quick, like just test out trip. So I went to, France and Spain and I feel like one other place mm-hmm. and that was awesome um and and it, and it kind of gave me that bug like that I've got to go again and that trip with I think for a lot of people listening to the show if they are wondering if a trip that is three weeks um is good versus six months yes it is it's just as valuable and it's just as important to go on a three like maybe that's all the time you have mm-hmm. right uh, Americans don't have a lot of vacation time, things like that. So, um, my first trip was longer than three weeks, but I've done, I've studied abroad for three weeks, uh, in Argentina studying mm-hmm. Spanish. And that was as transformative as my six month trip. Yeah. You know what I mean? So do what you can with the time that you have and the budget that you've got to work with. Yeah. This program that you found, was this like, um, I guess I'm wondering who, who it was targeted to. You had already graduated, so I'm assuming it wasn't strictly for students. It was for anyone who wanted to participate. Uh, it was for people who wanted to learn French as a second language. Okay. So, gotcha. Yeah. Yes, I've been studying it. But um, like with any language program, they'll, they'll place you in the right level. So it's not even if I hadn't been studying, I would just been placed in a beginner level. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, about how long do you think it took you to adjust to being there? I know you'd been there before, but since you were there for a much longer time, like how long do you think it took you to f- just adjust to living there, you know, establishing routines, that type of thing? Um, I feel like it was pretty quick. Uh, it did help that I was part of a program. Mm-hmm. But in, in I mean, real talk, I'm the type of person who can go anywhere and I'm pretty good. Yeah. So I'm... You know, there's some people who are introverted. It's very difficult for them to go to a new place. I have the opposite problem. I do not. It's very easy for me to go to a new place. So like last week, except for Orlando, which I hated. So last week I went, it's the worst (laughs) weather. I hate, ugh, it's awful. So last week I was in Orlando, (laughs) Seattle, right? And, um, 
you know, like I got to meet people quickly, have my little routines. Like I, I'm very quick to ease into places and to connect with people. Mm-hmm. So it, it, for me, when I go abroad, it's the same thing. Um, and part of that is you speak to people. Like what the hell is the point of going to a place? You, you're afraid to talk to people. It doesn't make sense to stay mm-hmm. home. So, um, I am the type of person in my normal life. I will speak to my barista or, waiters or um, the person, anyone who's helping me, especially in service oriented business uh, positions, I always make sure that I speak with anyone that I'm interacting with. Mm. And then obviously, if I'm in a foreign country, I have an accent, I'm clearly not from there. And I have no problem with clearly not being like I am what I am. And so that sometimes will open up a door in terms of conversation. It's tricky. Now, um, because I can imagine some of those conversations can be very uncomfortable given, um, how people are per- perceiving the U S and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. However, it is what it is. Like, I can't, I can't pretend I'm like, I'm American. Like I can't not pretend that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I understand this before I travel that certain questions might come up. So, so like you asking about Colorado, that comes up all the time. It's hilarious. It's like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I don't take it personally. It is what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Same thing as an American traveling abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, questions would be always around, uh, as, as a black traveler, like, what's it like being black there? That comes up occasionally. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of questions specific to Colorado because we, you know, we ha- we've had a lot of random weird stuff that makes international news. Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that we have legalized pot still is um, a big deal to a lot of people. Uh, partly because our law is the most permissive in the world. And so I know that that, because that comes up with Americans all the time. So I know that, um, if I'm abroad and the person's familiar with Colorado, that might come up. Mm-hmm. So, so I just understand, like I, I'm mentally uh, prepared and aware of some of the conversations that might occur because of where I'm from. And as long as I'm mentally prepared, then they can be very interesting conversations. I do not have any desire. So uh, next year I'm planning to hopefully be abroad for the summer. I have mm-hmm. no desire to talk politics at all. That's part of the reason why I want to be abroad for the summer. I want to avoid most of the election season. Right. Uh, as we're recording this, it's it's August 2019. I'm done. I'm over it. I already know what I'm going to do. So I don't want to hear them chit-chatting about stuff and fighting. Like I'm over it. So mm-hmm. when I'm abroad... I will literally shut that down if like people want to start having a conversation about that. So be clear about what your boundaries are uh, in terms of what you feel comfortable talking about and discussing. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not, if I'm in, you know, freaking Portugal, I don't want to be talking about election season. <laughs> so, right. you know, like a lot of people get all caught up in that. I'm like, why, uh, you know, you know, trying to defend stuff or explain I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm away. So that is not what I do. Okay. And that's why I enjoy my trips. Right. <laughs> I, have, I have boundaries. So there you go. That's good, though. That's good. It was pretty smooth sailing. I think okay. the only difficult thing about Paris was hygiene. Cool. To, okay. be, to be honest, like yeah. hygiene was, I mean, Americans are very particular about certain things. Mm-hmm. And so it would be upsetting when I would go into the metro and it would be, and just people would smell. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, like smelly. And you would, you know, I would be so frustrated because I'd take a shower, I'd, you know, smell like a flower and then like literally because I have perfume or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And I get, I get on the Metro and I get, I'd get gassed out, like funked out. So I'd be, that was frustrating actually mm-hmm. just, um, and there's nothing wrong by the way with people doing what they do. Right. So right. Um, people live your lives, people, if you want to do fine, but I really, uh, that was a challenge I think for me was hygiene is different in different countries. Mm-hmm. So like the whole, like different, uh, dental care, you know, like, so now I just laugh at it because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't take it too serious. So now at, th- at this point, if I were to go over again, it, I just, I know what to expect. It's hilarious and go from there. But I think before, um, I was just like, ah, <laughs> you know, because I'd be so frustrated, but that's part of living in another country. Like mm-hmm. people aren't there to make you comfortable right. in their, in their country. It, w- it challenged me in the way that in ways that I didn't expect in ways that I did. I, ha- I met lifelong friends who I'm still friends with to this day, um, was in a wedding party for one of them. Like it just was a wonderful experience. Yeah. And, and ultimately that's like, if you're going to spend time and money and energy going away from your home and what's familiar, that's, that's what you hope would happen. Mm-hmm. So it was great. But I think the the side note to that is there's, you know, in a lifetime of living, there's multiple opportunities to go. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Gotcha. And then the other time that you were studying French was in, is it Amiens? Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Perfect pronunciation, actually. So, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's it's in um, northern, in kind of the northern part of France. Mm-hmm. where Jules Verne is from the the mm-hmm. guy who wrote 20,000 leagues under the sea. Yeah. And it was just, it was just a cool 3 week program that I I went on. I'd been working a regular 9 to 5 or 8 to 6 really by that point and but I was working in in the uh education field so I had a lot of time. So I just went for a 3 week trip and studied French and it was phenomenal. Yes. I had a great time. Yeah. So I worked with international students. I worked with mm-hmm. people coming to the United States, l- learning English as a second language. And when you work in education in general, whether mm-hmm. it's with international students or not, um, typically part of the attraction is you get a lot of vacation time. Right. Right. right? But uh, for me in particular, not only was I accumulating a lot of vacation time, I was working with other people who also were philosophically aligned with, with where I was at in terms of taking time off. So I wasn't working in a place where people agonized about that. We were all mm-hmm. doing that. So right. we were all going away or going with our spouse. If we had spouses or significant others or our family members, we'd go on trips with them or whatever. So um, I was very fortunate to work in a space where that was a non-issue because right. everyone did it. Now, yeah. if we were working in a field where, you know, it was a struggle with my mindset, I would be out of that field. Mm-hmm. And now, quite honestly, I work for myself, so I can do whatever I want. Right. And that's glorious. So, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's glorious. So, um, it's hard, but it's glorious because I don't mm-hmm. have to ask permission for stuff. But, um, I was very lucky because I was working in mm-hmm. education. So I could, I could within the downtime. So you can't always just be like, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. But, um, there are certain points in the year for my program that I was working with where I could go like that. And I did. Yeah. And, and so did my colleagues. And it was, and I wasn't a teacher, by the way, I was an administrator. So there were, Mm -hmm. you know, the educators, administrators, that kind of thing. All of us did the same thing because we were in the same field. So. Okay. 
Yeah, I was going to ask how you ended up, because you mentioned how you worked with international students who were learning English as a second language. Um, how did you end up in that environment? I Well, I studied public administration. So okay. actually, it kind of aligned with what with all of my interests. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just I, I did a program called Up With People, actually, mm-hmm. which was a little different where we it's it's headquartered out of um, Denver now, but it's an international intercultural program. We traveled around the world. We volunteered. We stayed with host families. So so working in a bit in a uh, an environment like the one that I did was totally in alignment with just what I was interested in and mm-hmm. the type of people I wanted to be around. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I did want to ask about Amiens because I think I'd heard of it before, but obviously it's not like a city everyone knows. Um, I guess if you could sum it up from your own experience of it, like what type of, what kind of places is Amiens? Is it like a town or is it like a smaller city? It's like a a big town, I would say. Okay. So um, it's been a while since I've been there, but it's like a big, beautiful town, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, not, not a city. It doesn't have a city feel to it. And it was just lovely. It was a lovely, lovely place. So if people are thinking of going to a program, uh, participating in a program that's there, I highly recommend it. Okay. And then you ended up in Argentina as well, right? Right. Because Um, I studied Spanish too. So, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to study Spanish abroad and I, and I was still at my job. And so I had time. And so I went for the, the month of May. Mm-hmm. And studied um, in Buenos Aires, and it was, you know, I don't love Buenos Aires actually. <laughs> um, if I go back to Argentina, I would go to a totally different city. Okay. Um, but I loved the experience that I had. Okay. What? Why did you not love Buenos Aires so much? Um, I didn't like seeing all the swastikas that I saw, and there, oh. there were just some weird experiences, you know, because a lot of Nazis went to Argentina after world world oh, war two. You're right. You're right. So yeah. You're, there's still some of that weird energy there. So, um, it was a little unexpected to the degree that I observed it. I didn't mm-hmm. have any weird situations beyond one. Um, and it also, they had had the economic debt. They, their currency had devalued. And that actually is something to really be aware of. Like, yes, that's an opportunity for other people for people from other countries to go to a place because your, your currency spins further. But when you're traveling as a black person in a place like that, mm-hmm. it really, um, it can foster a little bit of resentment and the other people, cause they perceive you as rich, even if you're not necessarily rich. So mm-hmm. I'm there, it's kind of their winter. Everyone's wearing black. Basically I roll in And I'm wearing like, you know, I'm thinking this is Latin America, but I'm just like being myself and I'm wearing like a bright red coat Mm -hmm. and black, I've got bright, you know, suitcases and just living my best life, right? Like do, do, Mm -hmm. do, do, do. And it was, I think, a little bit much for them, especially considering that they're going through this like horrible economic downturn. Mm. And whatever issues that were percolating inside them, I think were a little bit triggered. So even... um when I was leaving the country, I was leaving their country. The The passport control person was a little out of line. So it was just a very interesting experience in Argentina. Now, when you hear this, if you're like, oh, my God, I won't go. You go because it's there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't go again. I totally want to go again. 
um, that was my specific individual experience in travel. And that, and that could happen honestly in the United States. Mm -hmm. So, um, what I would say is if you're going to go and travel anywhere, just be really aware of what's going on, be aware of like their economy. Um, and, and, and think about how that relates to you, even though you're not from there. Mm -hmm. And and that was just, I didn't have the, I wasn't sophisticated enough to really make that connection where I would be perceived a certain way because this is what was going on with them. Never would have considered it at all. So it was a very interesting experience. Do you have like a place that's been, I guess, your most memorable memorable experience or a, a trip that was your most favorite so far? I know you've been to a lot of places. But... I don't have a favorite. Um, I just, each one is special in its own way. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I feel like each trip builds on the other and each trip is different. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have a favorite at all. Okay. And do you tend to, do you tend to solo travel or do you tend to go in groups or pairs? I personally have done a ton of solo travel. I don't necessarily want to ever travel in a group okay? Um, because I think it's very, for me, it would be very challenging because I'm really good at travel. If I were new to travel, I would actually recommend it because it's an easy way to um, go see a place and have people to kind of connect with. Again, mm-hmm. it's easy for me to connect with people outside of my town, in my yeah. town. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have that concern that if I go somewhere, I'm not going to meet people. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about that. I always meet people. For people who are really new to travel, I strongly recommend doing group travel or even uh, or staying in hostels actually because you'll meet people in hostels. So like, I still stay in hostels. Um, mm-hmm. How how I do it is a little different. So I tend to stay in a single room or one with like no more than three other roommates. I've gotten particular about that. Or um, the hostel has to be very nice. Like there's one in Breckenridge that I go to, uh, which is a ski town here in Colorado, because I'll work from up there. And I love that hostel. And um, it is so beautiful. And I'll go there throughout the year. Um, that's the only one where I'll go with more than four people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but typically I'm very particular. Like I don't want to be in a room with too many people in there because sometimes people snore or whatever. But the thing about being in a hostel is you automatically meet other people who are in your shoes. Mm-hmm. More than likely there's going to be two, three or four other people who are traveling on their own. And if you're not like hyper aware of your age, if you're younger or older, hyper aware of like being different and like really focused on that then and just really open that you're going to meet people very easily. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in a, in a, in a space like that, you don't go, Oh my God, I'm so much older than them. Like that's going to turn people off. Or mm-hmm. if you're like, Oh my God, I'm the only black person there. Like, well, yeah, maybe you are. So what? get over it. Like meet people. Mm-hmm. So um, as long as you're not doing that kind of thing, you're going to meet people pretty easily. Yeah. And, and they're lucky to meet you by the way. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, of course, Michelle is money hungry and you also mentioned, well, speaking about Paris, you were saying how you can like swing it for five to 6,000 if you really like hack it. What does that mean? Like hacking it so that you can like, you know, make the trip less expensive? Well, um, there are a lot of different ways that people might hack it. 
Um, you'll hear it often uh, in terms of uh, travel hacking with credit cards. I do mm. not do that. I have done it in the past, but I'm paying off debt. And so for me, it makes no sense to travel hack with credit cards because that is a financial tool that I personally don't like to use for myself. Mm-hmm. However, if you're paying off your credit card every month and you feel very comfortable with that, there are a lot of amazing travel hacking websites. Um, a friend of mine runs one called Club Thrifty and she, mm-hmm. she has different articles on there about that. There's a couple um, called Rich and Regular. Their, their website's Rich and Regular and I think they talk about how they hack travel. And they're, uh, those two, they're African-American. Um, but there's a lot of ways to hack it. What I mean is a lot of people just accept that a trip is going to be expensive. And that's actually mm-hmm. not the case. So I just mentioned hosteling. Right. Uh, a lot of times, um, especially for longer trips, you can work under the table. That's a thing. Or at barter. So maybe you're not working for cash, but for a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. There are Airbnbs that you can stay at where uh, those can get expensive over time. So maybe if you have a website, you you get affiliate income where people sign up for Airbnb and travel on it and they they use your affiliate link and you get $20, for example, for every sign up that uh, sign up and complete a travel or stay that they do using your affiliate link. So you can use that those credits towards an Airbnb stay. Or maybe you um, couch surf. So I have friends who couch surf and you stay for free. Or you, um, oh God, I can't believe I just forgot what the phrase for it. But you, um, not not babysit the house, but what do you, what do you call that? House sitting? House sitting. I'm like, why can't I get this? <laughs> I've been traveling all week. I'm so tired. So um, perhaps you house sit. So I have friends who literally are millionaires. You know why they're millionaires? Because they don't spend on all this stuff. And mm-hmm. they still to this day house sit. So house sitting could be you, you, you're you part of an organization, but um, you would maybe that, that ha- the homeowner has a pet of some sort, like a cat or dog. You make sure that, or plants actually. And you make sure that one of those three things or all those three things stay alive no one breaks into the house while the people are gone. You, mm-hmm. You're there because if you're gone, if, if the homeowner's gone for an extended period of time, you need to make sure that, that your house is okay. So you could house sit. And a lot of times you get paid and you get free accommodation or you just get free accommodation and you don't have to worry about paying for that. So the biggest yeah. expenses for trips are transportation and accommodation, mm-hmm. right? And so if you can hack your airline, so I still fly Frontier. I just flew it four times last week. And I flew literally a giant circle around the United States. I flew from Denver to Orlando, Florida, Orlando. I had a layover in Cleveland, Cleveland to Seattle, Washington State, and then Seattle to Denver. How much do you think I paid for all that? 200 I paid a little more than that because I, oh, okay. I, I booked, no, but because I booked late. I booked late. Uh, if, gotcha. I, if I booked earlier, it would have been about that much. So I paid about 400 bucks, okay. which for that, for as late as I booked the tickets was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, paid cash. I, I did a little side hustle. Boom. There you go. And I think that's the other thing too, is people will be quick to put it on their credit card um, and let that debt kind of linger. I'm like, Start working your numbers now so that you know what to anticipate. Mm-hmm. And then 
maybe t- multiply it by 20%. That way, uh, because there's always some incidental dental costs, things like that. Seattle's expensive. D- Denver's expensive. So actually, I didn't get sticker shock, but it just, Seattle's expensive. So I mm-hmm. know that if I'm in Seattle, most of my meals are going to run about 13 to $15 with, with tip. And that's me like looking for frugal options. Yeah. And I'm a foodie, so I don't eat like fast food and stuff. So, so I knew that <laughs> I would not be going for fast food or whatever, but I knew that I'd have to kind of look for meals that I felt were affordable within that range. Mm-hmm. Um, look at activities that you might want to do. So we went on the water taxi and honestly for 525, that was awesome. Like yeah. I, there's no water in Denver. So I loved it, <laughs> you know? Right. So, so just spend some time really building out what your trip looks like. And then that way you can research the prices. It'll take like an hour um, at the most. And it's also fun because you can uh, figure out what you need to do. And gotcha. I think that a lot of times people just don't have, like they have a budget, but they don't really spend the time working through the, the money. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's different saying I'll spend, I can spend $2,000 on my trip versus I can spend $2,000 on my trip, but let me look at all the pricing for this before I go. Yeah. So I always look at the pricing. I also do that when I go, you know, to a restaurant. Like I don't just go to a restaurant. I I check to see what I might want to eat. And then I yeah. have, I built the budget out and I know exactly what I'm going to spend and we're good. Mm-hmm. And, and that way, like if I know I want to spend 50 bucks on a meal with wine and then I figure out the tip, uh, there's no surprises. So. Yeah. And, and you've obviously, um, been able to strike a balance between, as you mentioned, paying off debt and still traveling, yes. including traveling internationally. Do you think that's something that's um, like advisable or feasible for, for everyone who's paying off debt? Or does it depend more so on their, their particular situation? Interestingly enough, I just uh, released a podcast interview talking about um, 11 lessons that I learned after paying off a minimum of $56,000 in debt. And I've paid, mm-hmm. I've paid off more than that. And yeah. for long-term debt repayment, it is my view. You need to take trips and you need to, t- because in, there's a certain amount of energy that it takes to pay off debt, especially if you're taking three, four five, you know, three or more years to do it. You need a break. You just mm-hmm. do. But that does not mean, Oh, Again, that does not mean you put it on a credit card. That's stupid because you're trying to pay off debt. <laughs> right. it, it means that you look at how can I do this for as little money as possible so that I can replenish myself and re-energize myself and excite myself about my life because I'm still living my life. Yeah. Um, so again, I would side hustle. Like I would find extra work to pay for the trip. So, um, because when, you know, in my case, it was years of debt repayment. So, Mm. so not going on a trip would make a difference of maybe two months on my journey or quitting. I'll take the extra two months and and stay focused and keep paying it off. Mm. So, um, so for example, my most recent trip was business focused and, um, that, that one, like say, for example, you could go to conferences for your work. Right. You, could, you could say that that's included in a trip, uh, you know, a trip away. Uh, but maybe you add a day or two at the beginning or end of the trip so that it's not all work focused. Mm-hmm. Those kind of trips are nice too, because usually if you're going to a conference for work, they're paying for it. Right. 
and you get a stipend or a per diem. And if you're like me at my old job, I was getting the mileage too. So at my old job, I got per diem for conferences. I got mm-hmm. they paid for the flight. I got the mileage and it was glorious. And I got professional development. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're self-employed or an entrepreneur, you can still do the same thing. The key is that you have to leave earning the amount. You have to leave at least earning the amount that you spent. You have to zero yeah. it out. So for me, I always, if I'm going to an event or retreat or whatever, I need to come back knowing that I have at least made the money that I spent minimum. And so that was the case with my, with what I did last week. I, I yeah. have exceeded, uh, I've made more than what I spent. So I've, I've zeroed out that expense, which is great. So it's not necessarily that um, people need to wait until they like pay off their debt or pay out a certain amount before they go somewhere. You think that taking breaks and still going on trips is valuable even at the same time as working on paying off that. Absolutely. If I hadn't done that, I would, I would have quit paying off debt because I would, I would, I wouldn't have had the mental energy to do it. Right. Um, But it's, it's a personal decision. So I'm not going to say that what I did was right is, is right for everyone. It Mm -hmm. definitely was right for me. And, and I'm glad that I did it. And, uh, this fall looks like the end of paying off my unsecured debt. And then I just have student loans. And now I have, uh, income that's really growing from my, my business stuff and my passive income. Mm-hmm. So it's ironic because, um, that's growing pretty rapidly. And I think that, um, the student loans will be paid off much faster than mm-hmm. it took to pay off this other debt. Yeah. So, um, and, and now I can, I can pay off that debt because I built up this business. I can do it from anywhere. So, (laughs) so I'm, I'm very happy. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Uh, you mentioned, uh, wanting to spend the summer abroad next year. Yes. Um, is there any place in particular that you're looking to spend your time in? Well, I'm going, it looks like I'm going to fly from Denver to Iceland, Iceland to um, do the layover because we have Iceland air and then um, Iceland to uh, to Scotland, Ireland, uh, UK, because my friend, I have a lot of friends in those places, Mm -hmm. Um, then fly over to Portugal and Morocco and then stay in Spain and work on Spanish again. Oh, great. Yeah. Is it just English, French, Spanish? Are there any other? Is there like a cavalcade of other languages? That no, you know? just, no, just those three. That's it. That's okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I, I might try it. Like, I, I really want to get the, out of all of them, I want the Spanish and English, obviously, to right. be the best ones, then French. Portuguese, because it's so similar, I wouldn't mind learning that. Like, what, you know, as long as I'm alive, I want to learn. So there you go. Right. But, but um, I would really like to perfect my French and Spanish. Well, I, I hope you are able to do that. And I'm sure being in Spain will obviously help. Uh, kick it in. <laughs> yeah. I know you, you said you um, are working on something really important. So uh, before I ask you my last question, I just wanted to see if there was anything um, really pressing that you wanted to share that I might not have asked you about. Actually, I if you're wanting to come to Colorado, <laughs> um, <laughs> I do have a financial retreat that I'm running for financially single women. Okay. Um, it is the first week of October and it's called money on the mountain. No, it's not in the mountains. It's actually in Denver. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's an opportunity to talk about money from the financially single woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the speakers is actually Danielle Desir, who runs oh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, uh, she runs the website, The Thought Card. She also has a book um, all about Iceland, ironically, that I'm going to read um, about traveling to Iceland as a black woman. And um, it's we're going to just have an opportunity to talk about all things money from the financially single woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. The um, link is michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash retreat. There's a lim- limited number of spaces mm-hmm. um, as it's getting closer to October. So tickets are going. Yeah. Um, and definitely if you're like, you know, I'm curious about Denver and I like money and, you know, I'm struggling with it, or I just need a community of people to talk about what I'm thinking about. Um, please do check that out. I also have scholarships for it as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, actually, as you're talking, I thought of one other quick question. Um, obviously, you said you worked at the same job for 10 years. Now you work for yourself. Um, were you doing this type of like personal finance work that you're doing now while you were still doing your um, your other job? Well, I wouldn't call it. Per- so I would call myself a digital content creator. So I was blogging about personal finance. Oh, okay. But it's not like I, I wouldn't call it me having a job in personal finance. Do you know what I mean? So right. like I'm a personal finance influencer. Yeah. Um, in the sense that I, I create content around that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not coaching people. Right. I so you, I, you. so I'm sharing. Yeah. I don't want to be coaching people. So <laughs> no girl. So I share my experiences and I give completely empathetic support and encouragement mm-hmm. and, and ideas and suggestions. And that's it. And that started while you were still doing the yes. other job that you were doing for 10 years. Okay. And then you transitioned over to working for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your... Oh, last question. You already mentioned it. Uh, Michelle's Money Hungry. You mentioned info about your retreat. Any other handles or websites that we should know about? Um, uh, follow me on Instagram, uh, Michelle's Money Hungry. Uh, you can follow my Square State Instagram, Instagram about Colorado, which is Square State CO. Okay. And the podcast and all that information is on that Instagram feed. And yeah, like if you come to Denver, please connect with me. Let me know. Um, I love for people to come here and have a great time and don't eat Southern food in Colorado because <laughs> we, it's true. We, I tell people, I'm like, I, I don't even pretend that I like, I have Southern relatives. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I am going to be honest about us. We will never put enough butter, sugar, or salt in our Southern food because our, t- our palate's different. Mm-hmm. So please, Southerners, do not eat Southern food in Colorado. Eat what we are good at. Spicy stuff, green chili. We got all kinds of great food. Yeah. Southern, Southern's not one of our gifts, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and be prepared to walk around a lot because we, like we, like, we do a lot of fitness and exercise and stuff. Okay. All right. Well, be sure to remember that. Um, thank you so much for, uh, your time and, um, thank you for telling me more about the, the, um, retreat. Cause I know you mentioned that before and how you have a lot of work to do between now and then. So I hope oh, that yeah. goes well. I'm freaking yeah. out. You're basically, unless, unless I'm being interviewed about the retreat, I'm not doing any other podcast interviews. So this was like an exception. Oh, so well, thank you for yeah. making an exception. No, for I was like just so excited about the topic. So I was like, I gotta be on that. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad I made it in just in time. Yes. Um, And thank you so much for having these conversations. They're so important. And I think it's so important for people to imagine that they can do a thing and hear from people who've done it. So I I love that you're doing this topic. And 
Um, just let me know when it goes live. Okay. I, I mean, I, I probably have questions leading up to it. So I definitely, you'll be aware. You'll definitely okay. be aware. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye, Michelle. <laughs> All right, y'all, there it is. Thanks to Michelle for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young, Gifted, and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young, Gifted, and Abroad on pretty much all major platforms. And while you're at it, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode, in two weeks, the guest is going to be... Uh, someone else from the Facebook group that I'm in (laughs) and she is quite young but is already becoming an expert in the tech industry and along with that she got to present at a conference in Budapest Hungary earlier this year Um, so that's gonna be really cool because I haven't talked to anyone about Budapest yet and so you'll get to hear about her trip Uh, But you also get to hear a bit about artificial intelligence as well. So you can look forward to that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.